This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Kreuzer, hello. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast, brought to you in association with our sponsors, Red 10 People Development. Two games, two wins, second in the league, and two more episodes of Welcome to Wrexham on the way as well. I'm Rich Fay, and along with Nathan Salt, we'll be discussing all of that on today's episode. I've also got some special guests to hear from as well. There's a chat with Paul Mullen in the week he is set to become a stateside celebrity. We'll hear from the magnificent Maxine Hughes about her role in the documentary. And we'll also hear from the Dorking Insiders bunch of amateurs who run a regular documentary series about the club. Nath, it's been a weird week, hasn't it? Two wins, but a lot of negativity around the club. Documentary's been brilliant. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I got to speak to Super Paul Mullin um, and, and do that for work. So that was always fun. Uh, but it's been it's been a very weird week. Woking, I was there for Woking. That felt an odd dynamic there. I mean, credit to the 600-odd that went down there. That was a really good turnout. But that you know that's a horrible place for us to go, and it's a really tricky game. And Gateshead, I mean, the atmosphere from what I could hear, what I could gather, and speaking to you and a lot of others that were there, odd. I'll say that's probably the word of the word of the week. It, it all seemed very odd, even though we very won. tense. It was really tense. weird. Um, yeah, it's just a very peculiar game because two quick fire goals. The mood's very, very jubilant. I think fans from that that point are expecting us to do what Liverpool and Celtic did at the weekend, go get nine. <laughs> I sort of tongue and tweet, tongue and t- tongue and tongue cheek. Tongue and tweet. Tw- yeah, but maybe that's a new feature. It was tongue maybe. and cheek tweet saying, will Wrexham go and get nine? Gates had obviously get a player sent off to such petulant yellows. And then the fans just got on the team's back, really, because the game plan seemed to be keep the ball, wait for Gateshead to tire. They've obviously got 10 men and, and just pick up you know, pick those loose passes and and uh, and try and wait for the space to appear. It was a very patient approach, but 
there was a real sort of I don't even know how to describe it. The fans just were really edgy and they wanted us to be playing quick flowing football. There was like urges for the centre halves to kick the ball quickly and get the ball moving, which you know I do understand, but then they were overhitting passes. There was almost like so much extra pressure on them to do what the fans want them to, that the they, the performance dropped. Gateshead got back into the game. It was a very nervy end to the first half. And yeah, it was it was just a, a bad end, a, a bad performance. That I genuinely heard a few boos at half time when oh. we were winning 2-1, which is absolutely obscene. Second half, we dominated them for about 25, 30 minutes of it because we were we were just being patient. We're trying to take the sting out of the game. Obviously, you don't want to play too gung-ho because if we're trying to do a ticky-tacker, go get another goal, then we can get caught on the counter-attack really easily and that suits Gateshead so well that, that, that they're going to be frustrated if they can't get the ball. And if we keep the ball, we win the game. We get the third goal, which is very fortuitous, and then Gateshead, you know, pile on the pressure towards the end. Mark Howard made some great saves. Uh, ben Toza was excellent again on the night, some very imp- important interceptions. Yeah, it was just weird. It just felt like lots of fans thought we should be winning by a lot more. And there just seemed to be a bit of entitlement from some. This is the fifth division. We we are just six games into the campaign. We've got 40 left. Second in the table, only behind a team who have beaten us at their place. You've just got to, got to go with it. Because at the start of last season, the problem was that we were winning games 1-0 or it was 0-0. And, you know, there was... Our defence was brilliant, but we weren't scoring goals. And now it's sort of flipped on its head, where defence looks a bit shaky. But I just don't get the negativity whatsoever. I just feel like it's a complete overreaction. And again, Nave, to give one of our previous podcasts a plug, if you haven't listened to the Dean Keats one, there's a clip that we have we have clipped up, which has gone go on socials at some point. We were saving it for maybe a bigger game, you know, in, in brackets. Mm. But Dean says that, you know, when there's a crowd that big at the race course... If they're behind the players, it gives the home team a massive advantage. But then when we get on our players' back, our performance dips and the ho- and the away team thrive off it. And that's what happened on Tuesday night against Gateshead. The The fans were agitated. The players then made mistakes. And Gateshead were like, you know what? We're going to get something from this. We're going to be party poopers. And yeah, I just don't get it whatsoever. And now that the results sunk in, I'm very, very happy. We got three points, we're up to second. But it was just a really tense and unenjoyable atmosphere and I was at times a bit ashamed to be part of it because it was I'd still say maybe a minority maybe ones who are maybe new to the experience and maybe some who have been there longer who were just frustrated because they know this team should be playing a lot better that is a fact to go Rafa Benitez the facts are that we should be getting a lot more from this team and the performance was bad but the facts are we are second in the table got the best goal difference scored the most goals and are four points better off than we were last season it's it's so bizarre, isn't it? Um, you know, I think people want to be entertained. That's obvious, especially at this level. You know, there's not there's not the the glitz and glamour that you get higher up. But a lot of people say they don't want that, and they want you know the authentic experience, and they feel close to the players and connect to the players. But you know, even Ollie Palmer said afterwards, he sort of hinted at it, didn't he? That he said he doesn't understand like what more. Do people want i get people want to play like prime brazil or whatever but i've i've always been really a a results kind of guy especially in the national league just get results because the club we can we can spread our wings as a club once we're out of the national league until we get out of the national league we're still fighting for streaming rights we're still you know battling for one automatic promotion spot so much is 
problematic in the National League. And I get it, you know, people have seen these performances time and time again and the worry. I think there's just a deep set worry, Rich, that sets in that God, look, we you know, we got beat comfortably at Chesterfield. That was just a really bad night. But since then, we've gone to Woking, a place we went last season and won. That's three points we didn't have last season. I know we had three points at Chesterfield and didn't get them, so it evens out. But Gates had a good team. I think they showed that they can keep the ball. They showed against Notts County as well that they can dominate possession in spells. Even with 10 men, I thought they attacked. And Mark Howard probably had his best game for Wrexham. It, everybody just needs to take a deep breath. And people keep saying, oh, well, you know, if we keep playing like this, keep playing like this, we'll lose games. Well, let's cross that bridge when it comes to it. You know, there's no form- There's no magic formula, I don't think. The squad that he's picking is pretty much the squad it will be. It's going to be Howard. Lainton is nowhere near coming back, so he says. Um, Max has been, I think, how Max wasn't in the player of the month, though, I'll never know. Um, He's been player of the season so far. Tozer's going nowhere, and Aaron Hayden's obviously going nowhere. I think Ford's probably probably established himself as that primary option on the right side. Yeah, he's been getting a lot better, and he's he's so unlucky not to have a goal yet. He had a great effort Mm. towards the end on on Tuesday night. Just as well, just to jump in, because I know we know this, but I don't think we actually ever said it on the podcast, goalkeeping injury updates, Dibble and Leighton, both long-term, aren't they? Yeah, Dib- uh, Dibble is. Um, I mean, six months or so. Five six months. Size of his six months. Uh, yeah, six months. Um, so you know, does he play for Wrexham again? It'd be a real shame, much like the Rutherford one, if if that's how he goes out in a in a preseason game, jar in his knee. I know some people won't agree with that, but whatever you think of certain players, you know, you want them to go out after so long serving with the club. You want them to go out in a dignified way, and that would be such a shame for him. Lainton, he, after speaking to Parky at the weekend, he is seeing a specialist in about 10 days. So I'm, well, I'm working out from when this is out. At Woking, he said he'd be seeing a specialist in two weeks. So again, you know, it just doesn't seem close. And you do wonder, he's got to build strength back up in, in, in the injured area, the wrist and the hand. And so, yeah, he, he doesn't seem like he's close anytime soon. I think Harry Lennon told a fan that he was about a week and a half away from full fitness. Jordan Tunnicliffe was in the stands fit, but in the stands with McFadzian and McAlinden at Woking. I know McFadzian played on Tuesday night, but I think we've really got the side now we're looking at that more or less will be the team that will be tasked with getting us up. The big conundrums are the wing-backs and the makeup of the midfield. You got it spot on, actually, for the weekend, uh, for, for Tuesday night even. I don't think you got the fullback. I think you're one off a perfect prediction. Yeah, I, I was meant to be two off. Yeah. There you go, the wing backs. There you there go. There was a lot of discussion uh, half time on Tuesday night. I was speaking to lots of people I know. It was great to speak to Matty Evans, who I know, and I went to a few away days with him with the Manchester Reds. He was just saying, Gates said at home, regardless of the circumstance of the game and what's happened, there's the argument that Davis and Lee are too similar doesn't cut it when you've got Luke Young and James Jones playing because they offer exactly totally. the same. Totally. So James Jones had a, had a really poor night on Tuesday, but Jordan Davis did as well. Paul Mullen had quite a bad game. He just wasn't as sharp. He missed. He was snatching at chances. There was one cross from Mendy where he should have tapped it in the back post, but just wasn't there. Obviously, he got a goal because that's what great players do. The two parts from this for me are, number one, just get the elephant out of the room out of the way. If you play badly, your best players are off it and you still fr- win 3-1. That's a great win. Okay, yep. let's just yep. hit the nail on head. Let's just leave that. But yeah, they, that's a really interesting dynamic for me. The the centre mids, I think James Jones has done more 
much more positive sort of it had had a better influence in the Wrexham shirt than Tom O'Connor, but he is still too close to, to Luke Young. So for me, that starting midfield either has to be O'Connor and Young with Leo Davis up ahead, or it has to be Davis and Young with Lee up ahead because Elliot Lee has changed every game he's come on now. He played a beautiful pass for Paul Mullen on Tuesday night and, and Paul Mullen should have done better with it. But there is the conundrum. When you've got someone who's so good off the bench, do you keep them as a super sub who can pounce on tired legs and can influence a game, dictate the tempo when you need it? Or do you start them? It's a really interesting dilemma, that. I get it. I get it. I get that argument. But surely he is not come to the National League to be a bench player, respectfully. Yeah, that cannot be right. I I get that there's you know everyone's got a role to play and everything, and maybe that is his role, but it's not through a lack of fitness now. It is purely a selection issue, and if he's that good, you know what's what's saying to me that if it is any of these others that come off, if it is Jordan or whatever, I'm not advocating to do that. But if it is, can he not make it an impact off the bench? Like can if these these players can none of them come on and make an impact off the bench? I get Lee is a different type of player, but I I really want to see him from the start now. And I you look Dawkins an interesting one because of their plastic pitch. You know, will that alter? the the selection decisions you know if anyone's maybe carrying a niggle here and there do you do you not risk them um it's it that is an interesting one um and kind of you know you don't really want anyone to jar the knee and i know you can't worry too much about injury you can get injured walking down the stairs so you can't worry too much but that'd be an interesting one i i, I do want to see more of the davis and lee midfield um i know people are disagreeing with that and say it lacks all balance and everything but we should, with the quality we've got, we should be just aggressively going on the front foot and we should have the defence that can cope with that. I really think, you know, Mendy can go both ways. Ford, if you really needed him to, I think he could tuck in. He, he, from what I've seen, he's been hit and miss so far, but he sounds like he's improving at least, as you say, on Tuesday night. But I think we've got to see more of that Lee, Lee and Monk. Because I, I honestly believe Jordan can play that deeper role, but is a different type of deeper midfielder than, than Luke Young is. Yeah, exactly. And it's just the balance you go. And for, for each game, there's got to be a different way to, to approach it. And again, we can't be too negative because we've won. And if you go back, was it two podcasts ago, we looked at this the, these five games coming up and we exactly. said, you've got, got to be winning four of them. Well, we've won three of them already. We've beaten Maidstone 5-0. We've beaten Woking 3-2, which is a great result. We've beaten Gateshead 3-1, which although they're in the relegation zone, is a misleading win. They were excellent. One of the best teams we'll see at the Kaidas this season. We've now got Dorking this weekend, which has all the makings of a Rex and Banana skin, doesn't I'm it? I'm looking I mean, forward to it. I'm looking forward should... to it. The trip to Meadowbank, I think there'll be a lot of Reds go down there. I'm really excited about that one, Rich. So am I. But like I said, the pessimist in me always... Maybe I don't voice it at games like some of the other fans, but the pessimist in me says that could be the one where we drop the points. Maidenhead at home... Paul Mullen just a stinker. If Paul Mullen can see it till full time, then we've done done our job there. That's and success. and then you've got the Dagenham game on the Tuesday, yeah, yeah. And then then it starts building up to that that massive week where you've got Oldham and Knotts at the start of uh, start of and start of October as well. Yeah, end in there as well. Jake and Hyde reunion. Um, yeah, it's really weird the, the sort of and the dynamic. Callum Powell reunion. The Callum Powell reunion. He's playing so, well. Weirdly, so I don't know so what's many on. reunions. All the reunions. I don't, I don't know. I've I, I always wonder. I say to myself. At what point do you get a reunion? Like when the 
when do school reunions and things, when do they kick in? Maybe people are listening because I noticed that kind of a lot of the listeners are supposedly, according to their listener profiles um, that they set up on I don't know, Spotify, Apple or whatever, are between the ages of 35 and 45. So I don't know. Have you had a reunion at that point? When do I get a reunion, Rich? Because I want to go back and kind of talk about my sport right sport writer lifestyle don't even get don't, don't even get started on this i mean this is gonna sound so vain but the fact i've not been invited back to any of my old places of education to give a talk really nothing i need to get the next generation on board of rob ryan red and of course you can yeah, exactly. follow us on socials can't you rob ryan red on twitter <laughs> rob ryan of course is now live um, we put some welcome to rexham stuff on there which we'll get onto shortly i'm also going myself and Nate are also going to start writing articles in our in our own time really to, oh, to do that so spoiling you yeah keep up to date on robbrianred.com like i said that is our handle on all social media as well uh in terms of the next disney giveaway that'll be in the next couple of weeks we, we that is going to be an instagram giveaway we believe so if you're not following yeah. us already rob ryan red on instagram that's where you can be in the running to win a disney plus subscription so yeah naif the results you can't even look at the table after six games, really. But like I said, we are up to second. Best goal difference in the division. Most goals scored. Four points better off than we were at the same stage last season. Some more winnable games on the horizon. Obviously, can't take too much for granted. But there's a lot to be positive about. And there's 40 there games left. Okay. 40. We, we Rich, want so go, on, what? go on, Rich. Carry on. Sorry. I was going to say, we want the teams to be playing well. But just get behind the lads. I don't want to be too much of a happy clapper. And, you know, <laughs> if we played bad then yeah, that's, that's valid. And Tuesday night was bad, but we won. And that is all that matters. You're not going to win every game pretty. There's going to be ugly no. ugly games. But the fact we're winning those ugly games is a huge positive for me because we weren't doing that at the start of last season. So just stick with them a bit longer. The players need us. We can make such a difference. They just do. a call to arms, really. Just get behind the boys. Look, Chesterfield was bad and the fume was right. Yeah, that was poor. Um, uh, but I think other than that, the performance, you know, like I said, game two, there was booze at Yeovil. Um, but look, uh, we'll, re- we'll have to release that, that clip soon, Rich Keats. And uh, if you haven't heard it, loads of people have. Thanks for all the support on that one. That's amazing. Well received how, how well that's done. Um, and, and I know there's his manager pod is coming up soon, um, with the fearless guys, but Rich, what I was going to say is a month now we're a month through month of August, favorite goal, favorite moment. Favorite game? I don't know. I'm trying to think it's, back, it, but yeah, it's a Maidenhead, tough one. I made stone. I didn't get made stone. I didn't do, but I'm, for me, Elliot Lee moment, debut was good for me. That's it. The Elliot Lee debut is probably probably my moment of the month. Player of the month, I'm going to go with Mr. Max Kluith. Yeah, I'm going uh, Max as well. And my low light of the month, uh, easily Chesterfield away. Chesterfield away, torrential rain, waiting for you outside the away end for that. <laughs> I had your it, ticket. Yeah, that was that was not it great. Was absolutely... um, but Awful. yeah, Max Kluwer, and a quick word, Rich, before we uh, move things forward. Aaron Hayden, what a player! Two goals at Woking. Parkinson reckons he might be the most dominant player in the division in both boxes. Hard to argue with that. Absolutely, and again, cliche, but I've never seen the only player I've seen as good as him in the air is Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of the way he just has that hang time. He's so prolific. And yeah, again, he might, he could easily have got a goal on Tuesday night. One more caveat is we had lots of long throws, but none of them really worked. We were really poor, I thought, in attacking set pieces. And, you know, that's just something that we just didn't have our luck in that regard. And obviously the ball's got to fall certain ways and stuff. So again, we've won and we did we play well. We so won the just, game. Just, we're second. We're top scorers in the league. Exactly. We just won. enjoy it. 
So, Nath, we all watched uh, Welcome to Wrexham. I knew no Dewey who sits in front of me at the Kairos. He said he's watched the first two episodes three times. So if you've wow. watched Welcome to Wrexham, the first two episodes more than three times, maybe seek help, but also uh, be proud of yourself for, uh, for um, watching it so often. You've got another two episodes on your way. They will be released by the time you listen to this podcast anyway. Um, we're going to dissect what's in the episodes in about five, ten minutes' time. So obviously, if you're waiting to watch them, you can put press pause and come back to it later if you want to. But... Come Keep back listening to us. now. Come back to us later if you, if, if you haven't. Yeah. Yeah. These aren't, there's no spoilers in these two bits. We're about to hear from a player who will be star of the next few episodes and a star of the entire series, Super Paul Mullin. And then it'll be Maxine Hughes. But first of all, Nath, after that working game, you caught up with Paul Mullin. Yeah. No, Paul was great. And that was partly the reason I made the trip. Um, and I was getting a lot of questions. Why are you in the home end? I wasn't in the home end. I was sat in the press box for, for a change. I'm, I'm not normally doing that for Wrexham games now. It was all about speaking to Paul. You know, he's a guy that doesn't seek the limelight. You know, he's such a family man, and that will come across in the documentary, and you'll see him with his son and with his family just at home. And you can see why he was so desperate to move home. And so I just wanted to ask him about the documentary, what it was like. Is he ready to become a star? And and look, the elephant in the room and the elephant in the documentary is the M-word, money. And so I asked Paul about that, and here is everything he had to say. Well, you're, you know, you're, you're going to be this, this focus in, in episode three coming up, you know, you and your family yes. and all that. And I think look, you come across very well. I've seen it. You're nothing, nothing crazy. But <laughs> what was it like just being, Phil? You know, you seem like a very family guy that's not too bothered about the attention what was that like just as a different experience for you no it's quite bizarre it's something you don't expect you know to, to be on a documentary that's going to be shown all over america but it's just i, I don't know nothing really phases me i just sort of get on with my life and get on with the day to day and whatever happens happens every day is new something different happens every day and i sort of just embrace everything nothing really gets to me so just sort of roll with the punches sort of thing you take it in your stride what have your family just made wrexham the fan base you know 600 nod today 10,000, it's, it's a massive club that, that's getting now worldwide attention, you're going to get that. that no, 100%, when, when I signed, there was obviously eyebrows raised, but not from me and my family, you know, we knew what we were getting into, and um, we knew it was going to be tough to get out the league, but we knew it was going to be exciting, and that's what everyone wants in my family, is for me to be happy and excited, and I couldn't be more happy being here, you know, we get to play in front of 10,000 every week, and it'd be more if they could, they come away from home and they follow you, and give you the support they do, and I'm really enjoying my football, I'm pretty sure that shows on the pitch, like, the way I'm always trying to smile, and things like that so I'm enjoying it I've loved it they've loved being here they love coming to the games I think um, I think they sort of feel a bit special sometimes when the fans are singing my name you know my mum and dad always tear up and my missus comes home singing it to me winding me up because I hate to hear it in the house but um, now we love it well, well, you know one of the best signs I think you said in the documentary that you did turn down 60 grand to have played in China because you really want to be with your family but in terms of actually on the pitch where it's really important I know for you and, and the lads what, what do you think's different from last season what do you think this group has maybe learned that that we can take into this season because this is three points gained on, yeah. on last season. Now we've come here today, it's uh, three points we didn't get at this place last year, so um, that's important. You say about money, but I've said in the documentary, you know, I don't understand why people care. It's um, I don't go home and ask my mates who are joining us, oh, how much are you getting left? Let's be honest, it's completely irrelevant to life. It's none of the business, no one really gives one. Um, so for me, I just go and play football and enjoy it. That's, I don't really let it affect me, I don't care. I just want to be, I just wanted to be with my family, and Wrexham was the place for me, and obviously. 
the way it happens they do pay you well but that's not the main reason I come here I wanted to be excited and live with my family and then obviously things help us to go but I love it here I wouldn't ever want to leave I love it I enjoy playing and who wouldn't and the last one from me the, 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 the hat-trick bracelet the lucky bracelet from, from the, the little girl who gave it is that being kept somewhere at home? yeah it's, it's, it's in, in the uh, special right? drawer in the house it's, um, <laughs> as I came in in the in the physio room, I was getting a bit of treatment before the game and said, oh, this uh, young girl's asked me to pass you this. So as I was there, I've opened it and um, read the little letter that she gave me with her and surprisingly enough, it went and worked. So after the game, that was the first thing I thought of when I, when I was walking in. I was like, oh, I don't know what, yeah. the little girl will be made up. It was, um, I thought it would be a nice touch just to, just to put it on Instagram because yeah. um, she spent a time to do that for me and I have actually still got it and it's something I'll probably keep because it'll always be a lovely memory. Rich, not a fan then of money not well he's a fan of money but he's not a fan of people talking about it because as he said it's irrelevant to life who cares none of his friends care he never asks his friends who are joiners what they make in a day you know he he really doesn't get it and before we start dissecting the episodes you know he's right though isn't he you know this this fascination with i get in football that there's an element of players that played on this but none of the figures being bound about wrexham come anywhere close to being right no, we we have a more general sort of understanding of what they are, and they they aren't as ridiculous as you see on social media. Whenever Paul Mullen scores a goal and another zero is added, and the other element of it is in football, it's a real, it's just a really weird conversation because it's just the nature of the industry. The players aren't asking to be paid that much. Paul Mullen isn't going to go to contract renewal with Wrexham and say like, "You're paying me too much, lads." You've got to cut my salary. <laughs> yeah. You're paying me too much money. Chill no out, one, guys. No one does that. And in terms of football as well, obviously, when the supporters trust, there was maybe more understanding of that as a conversation because that is your money to a degree. You know, that is what's going to the club. But we're a proudly owned football club now. And it's none of our business what we pay them. If we and if the if the player is what Phil Parkinson wants and does what Phil Parkinson needs, then money doesn't even come into it. And another thing which annoys me because as most of you should know, I report on Manchester United when I'm having to deal with their sort of transfer stories and stuff. And obviously they've had this massive Anthony deal this week. He's their second most expensive player, 95 million euros. Wow. But it's not your money. So if it's what the football club sees as a fit spending of money, most, you know, lots of the time it's not, but if the football club see it as, you know, justifiable, then it is. And we've got to have consequentialism this season. The end justifies the means. It's It goes in regards to our performances and what we pay the players. If we get promoted, all those players have been paid enough and those performances were all good enough. And that's the bottom line. Right then, before we dig into the episodes and Super Paul and all that sort of stuff, one of the voices you'll hear, and you will have heard her before now, I'm sure, and you'll have seen her in that famous trailer where Rob and Ryan are announcing their takeover and, uh, you know, they meet for the first time before they film that trailer. And we saw that in the last episode. Maxine Hughes kindly giving up her time. And so I caught up with her and here is what she had to say about being involved in Welcome to Wrexham. Maxine, lovely to have you on. Um, the documentary is out. The first question is, what have you made of it so far and what have people stateside made of it? Uh, well, I mean, uh, it's been brilliant so far. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I think like uh, like everybody else, I've, I've been speaking to quite a lot of Americans who really have no 
um, experience of, of football at all. And they're just like, oh, you know, it's, it's so good. We, we didn't even know about football, but we're really enjoying it. So they're kind of almost surprised that they're enjoying um, a football documentary series so much. Um, I think obviously, you know, the series sort of transcends football. It's about the characters, it's about the community, it's about Wales, it's about Wrexham. Uh, and I think Americans are, are really enjoying that. Um, I think Americans in general have um, a huge interest in the United Kingdom. Um, they love Wales, Scotland, Ireland particularly. So I think for them, you know, it's a chance to learn a little bit more about that part of the world. Um, and I think Americans also love um, to hear about, you know, stories about the underdogs. Um, and, um, you know, I think, it, I think it ticks lots of boxes. So um, I'm hoping they stick with it and I'm hoping they get, you know, even more engaged as, as the show goes on. Yeah, we've had lots of messages about uh, people trying to get involved with the club and, and buy kits and all those other things. But I thought as well, they didn't patronise Wales, really. You know, I spoke to some, I spoke to another journalist who was saying that that was their fear before they watched it. And then they watched it and they were relieved. Do you think that, you know, they've, and as you say, it'll come on. I think we were speaking before that will be more about Wales as it goes on. But so far, so good in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely been something that particularly Rob and Ryan themselves have thought about from the beginning. Obviously, even with the promo that, that the three of us recorded, you know, the idea there was not to uh, to make fun of Wales, but it was for, for Welsh people to make fun of the, you know, of the rest of the world in a sense. And I think, um, you know, I think that's always been the case. I know um, uh, somebody posted something about the series uh, in LA last uh, last week, talking about where, uh, uh, being a, about a football team in England and, and Ryan himself <laughs> corrected them on Twitter saying that it was, uh, it was actually a football team in Wales. So, you know, they're, they're clearly engaged and, uh, clearly value uh, what what Wrexham means to Wales and the fact that, you know, we are Wales and we're not England and that we are very keen for the rest of the world to, to notice us. Obviously, you know, I think after November, December, hopefully uh, there'll be even more world recognition with obviously the team going to the World Cup. Um, so this is this has all come, you know, a great timing really for that, I think. Um, and of course, for Americans, you know, Wales are going to be playing against the US. So I think by that time, um, a lot of Americans will really know what Wales is, where it is. And uh, hopefully um, they'll be a, a bit scared before that match that, that uh, there's going to be a bit of trouble for their team. Yeah, well, hopefully. I'm, I'm pretty confident that Wales will, will do a good job in that group. But in terms of the promo you talked about, we've seen that now in, in the early episodes. And that feels so long ago now in that studio where you see Robin Ryan and, and yourself. Uh, and, and like you say, it's basically Wales taking the mick out of those two, really. And, and they're very good at laughing at themselves and stuff. But what, what was kind of that experience like? Because you've been involved and, and closely worked with them basically since then. And, and you've been over with them. And it's just been a roller coaster since then, it looks like. Yeah, it was funny watching um, episode two and, you know, seeing the studio and everything because it, it just feels so long ago, but it kind of took me took me back to that very early morning at, um, in, in the LA studio. And, you know, I, I work in news and current affairs and, uh, you know, it's very small teams doing documentaries out in, in often horrible conditions. So that experience was very different to me, you know, to be on a Hollywood set, you know, with lots and lots of people. Obviously, my first experience was <laughs> alongside Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. So that was kind of um, uh, a, a bit uh, different. <laughs> um, so it, it was, yeah, it was great to see it and to kind of bring back those memories. It was also um, quite emotional, really, because it, as you saw in the in the show, that was the first time that Rob and Ryan had actually met each other in person. So it was great to be there that day. It was a lot of excitement. You felt like there was a lot of excitement on set and um, everybody around us was really 
kind of um, excited, but it was really the beginning of, you know, of this long story that's obviously, you know, still going. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's been since then, you know, um, it's been great to get to know the guys more and, um, you know, just kind of also get to know um, people in Wrexham or, you know, not just people at the club, but um, but the community. Um, you know, I've spoken several times before, uh, particularly in, in the Welsh language media, about the fact that I personally have links to Wrexham. Um, you know, my grandfather, my tide was from Wrexham. My dad's from Wrexham, but, you know, my, um, my tide died before I was born. Um, so growing up, my dad would talk a lot about Wrexham, but that side of his family had kind of, um, you know, gone a little bit. Um, so we didn't really get that connection that, um, you know, perhaps we would have done had he been alive. But he, you know, he was a lifelong Wrexham fan. Um, so for me personally, uh, it's been a, a journey that's kind of brought me back to, to something very personal. Um, it's been great that I've been able to learn more about my own roots um, and also now pass that on to my children who were, uh, you know, who, who walk around now in Wrexham shirts and, uh, and chant Wrexham from the living room while I'm trying to do work in the evenings. <laughs> it sounds like, the, I mean, they've got an excuse. They're very young, but I mean, there's lots of adults chanting Wrexham as they walk around the town. Um, <laughs> when you, when you watch, I think a lot of people were kind of emotional and, and, and every time they watch it, the opening sequence, when you see kind of the mines and the collieries and the town, and I've seen lots of messages saying my, this is very close where my tide used to work or my dad worked here or you're such and such and such. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. I thought it was a really beautiful sequence with the, with the kind of the Bob Dylan lyrics as well. Yeah. I thought that was a great choice of music for the, uh, for the opening. I think obviously it, it, it's something that would appeal also to, to an American audience, but I think it definitely touches a nerves, you know, a nerve for, for any of us from North Wales and, you know, for, for us with families, you know, with, with history in North Wales and, and um, the mines and all of those other, um, you know, uh, industries that have taken a hit. Um, I thought they did a great job. And, you know, I think, I think the great thing about the series is there is kind of something for every, for everyone. Uh, you know, if you're from Wrexham, you know, there's, there's, there's a personal story there. You, you see people in it that, you know, you see places that you've always gone to. Um, if you're not from Wrexham, it, it's, you know, it's beautifully shot. It's, there's great characters and of course, Hollywood stars. So it, it's a series that is really appealing across the board. And I think that's what's so great about it, but, you know, more than anything uh, for me, I'd say, you know, just to see, to see Wrexham, which it's not just about, you know, not seeing Wrexham on a, on the big screen. You don't even see Wrexham in news coverage enough in Wales. You know, mm. it, our, our coverage in the United Kingdom uh, is very London centric in general. Um, I think that, you know, even in Wales, obviously, you know, S4C, the BBC they, and ITV do a good job of covering Wales, but they don't get to North Wales enough. You know, the main, main offices for the broadcasters are in Cardiff. Um, and there's always been this kind of sense that traveling to North Wales is a long way to go. So I don't think that it's, it's well represented enough, um, in the media. Um, and you know, there's some, some stories, whether good or bad, that really need to be represented more in these communities that are the beating heart of Wales. So, you know, to, 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 to put them on the map and to put Wrexham on the map as it has done is, is, is incredible. And that's, that's what really, what, what means something to me. And last question then quickly the series how excited are you for the rest of it your voice is going to be guiding us through it on, on the voiceover i know a lot of people will be now recognizing that if they listen to it there's, there's lots of good stuff to come isn't there rob and ryan's visit more history about wales stadium there's loads of good stuff 
Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's a story that um, for anyone who follows Wrexham, you know, they've already been on that journey. So they're kind of, you know, they're watching that series, almost watching back over the last the last year of their lives and seeing it, you know, um, visualized in a TV series. So, so that, so they know the outcome um, doesn't take away anything from, from the enjoyment of the series, but I think for all of us, um, great, you know, it's brilliant to watch the series and it's, it's going to be incredibly enjoyable, but we all want to see um, the next step too in season two when, when hopefully of course, um, Wrexham moves up. Yeah. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah, Rich, you know, lots to come from Maxine. And I know that there's some really good episodes to come, you know, history on Wales and, you know, really shining a light on the country as a whole, not just Wrexham. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, Maxine's voice will be guiding us through the episodes. It's kind of the voiceover and I don't know, steering the narrative, I guess, a little bit. But unpacking the episodes then, episode three and four, all about, I guess, episode three, all about rebuild you know the rebuilding process we've just you know we've seen episode two keats has gone rutherford and a load of players have gone we're sort of starting from fresh and need a manager and need some top level players so the manager front we see so much about why phil parkinson is the number one option you know he's what, clearly yeah. the guy well they say there's over a hundred applicants for the job Phil Parkinson throughout the process, the number one target. He's worked at a club who have had a documentary go on before. He was well aware of that in the in the talks initially to take the role. He knows what it's like to get teams promoted without much money as well. So what can he do with money? You know, the work he did at Colchester, at Bradford, at Bolton, phenomenal. And he has got that that pedigree of getting teams promoted against the odds. And, you know, if you can have a manager who can do that with limited budget, then what can he do with a, a very big budget? So yeah, this is the this is the episode where for a lot of fans as well, this is the Wrexham that you maybe can relate to a lot more because yeah. these are the players you've been watching for the past year. This is the manager. And this is the one where the insights are really interesting because lots of those players, lots of that staff are still involved now. Yeah, it, you know, this is a lot more familiar for people who after the takeover were getting involved and, and things like that. Maybe they just didn't, didn't get involved in time to catch the back end of last season. I know that was opening a lot of eyes and there was a big spike in search traffic for, for, for Paul Rutherford. People, you know, are tweeting us saying, is he still playing? Yes, he's at Balor and, and all that sort of thing. Um, it's just great. The, the, the nonchalance of it all when it comes to uh, Phil Parkinson and it's kind of... Well, of course, you know, well, made, if yeah. Phil Parkinson turns us down initially. Yeah, that was it. The, the, you know, the you hear Humphrey saying, you know, we made what they thought was a sensible approach. And and Parkinson said thank you very much, but no. Um, but as it as it often does, and I'm sure it would work for us. I don't know if uh, if if Rob ever tried to poach us for the Always Sunny podcast. If he tried to poach you, Rich, and was like, "Look, I want to kind of prize you away. What will it take for you to leave Rob Ryan Red?" And you're like, "No, I'm Rob Ryan Red for life. Nothing you can do." And you get a personal phone call from Rob McElhenney in between his writing stints gone. for Always Sunny. You're I'm gone. long gone. Yeah, I'm I, long gone. I, to be honest, I'll, I'll I might quit I it. might quit the podcast now just in case he wants me, just so there's no, uh, <laughs> okay. there's no hassle in between. But yeah, exactly. I mean, that is another advantage we've got. And lots of players have spoken about that, haven't they? That They obviously knew Rob and Ryan, but they didn't want just to join for like a gimmick or whatever. But the fact that the owners do care so much and are so involved, they aren't just these faces, you know, that 
that are used for marketing and corporate yeah. reasons. Which, you know, to a degree, they're always going to be there. They are going to be the, the the main attraction. Like we said last week, they're the gateway to the documentary and you stay for everything else. But they're a huge, huge part of it. And the fact they care so much is, is so much reason for these players to get convinced because if Ryan Reynolds phones you to come to Wrexham, yeah, that at first is, wow, this this is amazing. But if you then realise that he doesn't really have a clue what's going on, says the team name wrong, and doesn't really have an understanding of what goes on day to day, you'd be like, nah, all right, nice to meet you, but I'm going to go elsewhere. It's the fact that the owners not only have the glitz and glamour, but also have this passion and growing knowledge of, of it as well. It's just, I, I just love the, the the stuff that we've never seen before. You know, we get we get it announced. You know, Phil Phil Parkinson. We know that he's he's the manager and he's still the manager, but we we don't we didn't see the process to get to that point. You know, and you see them explaining Phil Parkinson's background, and you know, before you end up getting a sit down with him, that it's been confirmed. You, you see Robin Humphrey having a chat, and you know, can you you know Rob McElhenney asking for Phil Parkinson's number? Can you get me his number? Can you get it via his agent? And then it wasn't a five-minute call. It wasn't like, hey, it's Rob McElhenney and then Phil's, you know, all giddy and wants the job. It, You know, it was a 90-minute call there. And I guess the frustrating thing was that we didn't hear. We heard one side of the call. Um, and I'll, I'm sure you can guess which side of the call we heard. Uh, but, yeah, we only heard one side of it, which was a little bit frustrating. But I get that, you know, we, it's not our place to hear every private moment. That's that's just the way it goes. Um as well, I also love that there's a great line in it. I'm trying not to give too much away, but I'm hoping you've listened to this after you've already watched it and you can, you know, relive it with us and, and, and you know, us talking about the the best bits. But Ryan Reynolds on the call talking about rebuilding and they're looking for a CEO before they get Fleur Robinson in. And Ryan, being the witty so-and-so that he is, uh, says, you know, can we find a, a CEO who is also a 20-goal season striker? And you know, maybe he's maybe he's cracked the code. Maybe that's the future of the game. Get Paul Mullen as your CEO and your striker. You get Ollie Palmer as your head of commercial. He's big on Instagram, so maybe you get him as head of commercial and you get him banging in twenty goals. Maybe that's the future, mate. Maybe maybe we just do away with off the pitch people and just get the ultimate crossover just get football team. personalities. Yeah, just just get the ultimate crossover team and uh, in terms get of Simon Jordan in, maybe. Absolutely not. What an absolute. What a weird. It's Sorry, worst, quickly on that. What a yeah, weird I, say, worst thing, I shared that. The worst thing about the takeover is it's given lots of people who have no idea about Wrexham a voice on Wrexham, and I just can't be asked to we be honest. We've got so many responses to that. Do you see that? I put that yeah. tweet out on, on Rob Brown. We even got Mr. Dior Angus replying, who called him an absolute sausage, which is a massively underused insult, which I love. Um, more people called sausage. I think that's the way to go. But Simon Jordan just didn't have it right. I, I honestly tune people out now when I hear them say the Netflix deal. Netflix have nothing to do with Wrexham or the Exactly. You, you, I have absolutely argue, nothing. Your, a... your argument is dead if you call us the Netflix team or whatever or any that shit. Like, sorry to swear. I know most of you want on that. But, like, I just, I just don't. It's nonsense. Yeah, I just shut up, sit in your chair and go support your own team. It's none of your business. They're, oh, they're only in it for a season or until the documentary lands and then they're off. They're not. They're here to stay. Just just deal with it. The pressure's on us as you know, as a club to get promoted. We know that. We don't need you piping up with your crap about, about what's going on. You know, We've been here 15 years. We deserve this. And just shut up. 
Yeah, it was absolute nonsense that. But but back to welcome to Wrexham. The way the way you sort of said, I, I'm also I'm trying to move it on, and then I'm immediately going back to it. Um, you know, Simon Jordan saying, "What is the world full of Wrexham fans?" You know, is uh, there are a lot of Wrexham fans now. Do do you see the amount of people on social media that want to watch the games? Americans are used to paying for their content. And the you other watch the thing, NBA, you watch the NBA, Rich. You pay NBA League Pass. Exactly, you watch but... NFL, you can watch the red zone. Like they, they're used to paying for the athletic. They pay for that content. Like a lot of people in America, after watching the documentary and this week in particular, they'll watch Super Paul Mullen. He's on a what thirteen thousand Instagram followers. Expect that to rocket. You know they're making people into stars. They're making Wrexham into a the team that everyone wants to follow and root for. And so to to just summarily dismiss it as who on earth wants to watch Wrexham? Wake up and do your research. But it's not even only that for me. It's so many people in the UK have American sports teams. They like NFL, they like basketball. Maybe they I love go it. to Canada and watch NHL. But the reason that they can still be active fans is because that content is accessible. They can buy a Game Pass. They can watch this team from the other side of the world. This isn't just about Wrexham. This is about every non-league team, every team in the National League setup. If you make their games accessible, it doesn't have to... Like, the domestic side to me is kind of irrelevant. It's all about the international for me because, you know, I've got a brother in Japan. Would he watch Wrexham if they were more accessible? Probably would. We've got, you know, all these American fans and North American fans, but it's not just about Wrexham. Maybe they have maybe they grew up somewhere else in the UK. Maybe there's a team from there, but they're not going to be able to watch them. If you make it accessible, they can follow them and, and do it regularly. It's the same as British fans watching the NFL every Sunday. They have the game pass. They sit down, they get their friends over, and they can actually follow a team. In North America, there's fans who want to follow non-league teams, not just Wrexham. Let them do it. It doesn't hamper any of the product here in the UK domestically. It has no effect on BT Sport because what what's the name of British Telecoms? Well, it doesn't matter to the the North American audience. Then does it at all? (laughs) For me, this isn't about the domestic streaming at all. It should just be about the international streaming initially, and let those fans who are worldwide who can't access clubs any other way have that chance. It works for everyone. Everyone benefits. And yes, we might be the team who benefits the most now. But then this this placement will be hopefully in, in there in place for years to come when we're not in this league, but other teams can benefit from it. So just have some yeah. common sense. I know it's BT Sport, I know it's the National League, two of the most two companies who've who've been inept in covering the National League and, and promoting the league in, in recent years. But just do us a favour. Just have some common sense. It's for everyone's benefit. But the you know, the NBA League pass, and I, I I'm I follow the Houston Rockets quite regularly, almost very regularly. I get, you know, all the updates on the stuff they do. And they've not been very good. They've been, you know, the worst team in the NBA or, or right down there for the last couple of seasons. But it's because I can watch League Pass and I listen to podcasts and I listen into spaces and I feel connected through the technology. You know, it, if, you don't, if you don't live in Houston, is that, does that mean I don't, I don't deserve to follow the team? Or, you know what I mean? It's, it's the same premise. People still go to the arena because they want to go and watch live basketball. And if I had the chance, I would. And if I had the chance to go watch Wrexham at Dorking on Saturday, which I do, and I will, I'm going to go. If you say, oh, you can just stream that, I'm still going to go to Dorking. I want the experience of going. We've sold seven, you know, 7,000 season tickets. People are still going to go to the race course to watch a when, match. Well, when your home matches against Gateshead are selling out, that shows that yeah, you know, it's the supply mad. and demand can't it's be matched. Mad. So just open it's it up mad. to everything and every club will prosper. Let's leave it at that. I'm not sure how we got onto let's this. Leave it at that. On no, this, let's uh, leave it at that. But on, on that tangent, documentary but... then, episode three, Rich. 
it's kind of taken us through. And there are some characters. You'll see some local community figures. Kerry Evans, DLO, she's in there, and that's really good value. Sean Winter, who I know um, some of you will know, maybe lots of you will know. He's in there talking to you about Magnolia Paint, among other things, and he comes across really well. And we sort of see a bit of dressing room footage in this one, Rich, at the very, very end. Parking. You know, I'm going to leave the quote and, and leave that scene just to be watched. And you can chat about it with us at Rob Ryan Red on Twitter or Rob Ryan Red on Instagram. But yeah, we're starting to see that first home game. That's where that's where we reached the climax in episode three, which that Notts County game. And yeah, thinking back to that, what a night that was. What an atmosphere. We Yeah, a game we should have won. And that's when it's going to start picking up, I think, for a lot of fans, because these are games you can vividly recall as well from your own memory. And then, that yeah. James ab- Jones' goal that never was. Nightmare. Disgrace. Absolute disgrace to go all Didier Drogba on that one. Uh, episode four, then, you know, carries on with that. Obviously, a running theme in episode four is the fact that TikTok and Expedia come in as sponsors. It's the, the club progressing for the next layers again, but the pitch fiasco as well. Money, 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 that. Rich. That's the, that's the episode. That's basically the episode. The elephant in the room, money, money, money. And that was sort of why I wanted to speak to Paul Moyne because so much focus is given to him. But yeah, the pitch, the pitch fiasco. I think we all remember that, don't we? That the pitch just cost didn't 300,000 pounds to relay, didn't it? Yeah. It, so it cost us 100,000 the first time yeah. and it failed. So that didn't work. And it cost us a further £200,000 to fix it. So it was quite a hefty bill in the end. But yeah, great scene in, in Rob's kitchen where you've got Humphrey sitting them down like two naughty school children and explaining to them um, that it's gone wrong and, you know, they need to fix it and there's going to be increased injury risk. And you see Rob turn to Ryan and go, is this what you expected? When you when you bought a team, is this is this the kind of glamour you expected? Talking about grass and you know why it's not worked. And Ryan was like, "I'm riveted. This is unbelievable. This is great." Uh, and even when they're not deliberately trying to be funny, they are just very very funny. Um, I did feel for Paul Chaloner, the groundsman, because he did look like he wanted to cry when the pitch failed. So I felt exactly. really bad for him, but and it's all been sorted straights and yeah, yeah it, and the pitch is brilliant at that yeah. moment. I think my favorite maybe part of the entire documentary it sums it up so well from a. Uh, from Rob in the in episode four, he says, I'm getting really sick of these draws. I'm finding football <laughs> to be very weird. Some draws are considered wins, some are considered losses. And I think this draw is a loss, he says, after the two-all uh, draw against Southend, even though we fought back to to yeah. salvage that. But yeah, it's, again, another nuance that you don't really get draws or ties in North American no. sport. So I think that will open a lot of, lot of eyes, really, uh, across the pond and uh, a really interesting one. Also get a bit of cringe, the player's house visit. cringe, yeah. This is, and I've intimated at this on spaces and where I can, because it's it's sort of stuck with me that this was the scene where, I'd be fascinated to know. I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm almost certain after this comes out, I'm gonna get tweets of people saying it wasn't well, that yeah. bad. The best part you know, is seeing players in their downtime, isn't it? And getting to know them as people. Yeah, I get that. But this scene in the player's house, Rich, is, you know, Tyler French is there, Jordan Ponticelli's there, Riesel Johnson, uh, Cam Green, and Daniel Jarvis. And they're, you know, it's it's pretty innocuous at the beginning. They're talking about how much tax they're gonna they're gonna have to pay and um, you know, again, so five this players money thing. for the club anymore. Um Tyler French at Dundee, Cam Green unattached, Dan Jarvis at Gateshead, Jordan Ponticelli at Kingsland. Kings Lynn and Riesel Johnson still on the books. Yeah. So there you go. Four, yeah. Um, and so they're talking about money and, you know, 
uh, God, I've got to pay so much tax. Like this can f off and this blah blah blah. And then it then it sort of turns to the the conversation steers onto Mullins' supposed wage packet, and it's just a weird scene. A they're calling him Mullins, which I just think it, you they know that's wrong, and it's that's dis- like what, that's like that's what disrespectful. maybe this might sound. This is like what maybe maybe your grandparents would call them. Oh, is, is Mullins still playing? Yeah, I get that, yeah. but that's for a teammate. I think that's disrespectful. I, I yeah. don't think that. I don't, I I you know that's not his name. And and so don't don't call him it. And there's you know there's a couple of That's jokes. Nathan ask, Saltz, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> ask ask Mullin, ask him for some money. He'll give you some to help you pay your tax and all that. And and this idea that I think I think pretty sure off the top of my head I can't remember exactly now. But Dan Jarvis says something like you know he should be scoring all his chances for the money he's getting. I mean. He's he proved yeah. last season being top scorer in the division. He's worth every. I penny guess that's that just work paid. dynamic, though, isn't it? If you're at work and someone's basically doing the same job as you on more money, there's always going to be a bit. I get of it, but I wouldn't want to. I, I wouldn't want to be filmed on a on a. You know, a no, I probably wouldn't say it when there's, t- when there's a documentary you know. camera in front of me. I'd say, um, say it behind closed doors, but yeah, but <laughs> the I'm, amount of I'm money really... you're getting paid for this podcast, Nate, is yeah, quite mate, frankly mate, a disgrace. How do you turn up, mate? I don't know how you turn up with the amount of money I'm getting paid. All the zeros, mate. Um, but yeah, it's and then. Well, well why, I don't know why you're kicking off. I should be the one absolutely fuming because I'm now on the podcast with a Disney Plus star, a.k.a. Well, you, a.k.a. your voice is in the documentary. Rob Ryan Red made the cut. As uh, Yeah, I think my, my Twitter bio might change this week to as as heard, maybe as seen. As, as, called, as, it, as heard alongside Ryan Reynolds and Rob I'm, McElhenney. I'm going to say as seen because my words really do paint a picture. Um, yeah, there's about, <laughs> there's about two, three seconds of my voice, like we said on last week's podcast. They chose one clip of the podcast and it was the week <laughs> Nafe was off, which I find hilarious. Shambles, shambles for me that. It is like that. It is like in Monsters Inc. when Mike, when Mike Wazowski's on the advert and then the Monsters Inc. logo goes over his face. Um, yeah, you know, that's what it is. Exactly, exactly. It's yeah, it's it's great and um, yeah, I will be getting. But what's an agent the, co- what's the context? Yeah, you you need an agent. You need an IMDb page after that. But Rich, paint the context for that that clip and that week and why it was used. That they're, they're painting the picture that all is not well to start the season, which is ironic given that we're we're doing a lot better than we were last season results wise. But it seems a sort of similar mood. Yeah, so Jordan Davis comes out with a quote saying, you know, it can turn sour quite quickly. We're, we've got a lot of expectation. We've had that draw with Southend that, that Rob says, you know, is a draw that feels like a loss rather than one that, that feels like a win. Next game is Grimsby away, team flying oh, and a real, a real barometer of where we are. Torrential rain from what I recall. And we lose 3-1, really, really poor performance. We lose at Stockport as well. And yeah, the, the conversation I think that we, that we have on, on air without you, I think it's myself and Tommy Kaus, is just about, is it about the three five two? Is it about what needs to change? Yeah. It's, and about, I, think f- you, I, think, I think your quote is, you know, you can't win a league. I think this might be your golden moment. I think it's something like, we can't win a league um, after however many games, it was 12 games. You can't games, win the league after 12 games, it. but you can lose it, yeah. There you go. That's it, live on the podcast. That's what we heard in the documentary. Um, a brilliant, that's actually a brilliant line, isn't it? Come on, that's a good line. I'm proud of that one, actually. God. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. You should be proud of that. It's a good one. But you know, that that was definitely the sentiment at the time, wasn't it? That and and I think it stands true, Rich. You can't. We can't win the league right now, after twelve games or whatever it is. But if you can already be in in deep trouble, um, so they were just trying to paint the picture uh, with the podcast audio, just trying to you know get that fan voice in there, and they haven't made it sound too much like Arsenal fan TV. So that is good. Um, 
And my favourite quote, Rich, I'm going to finish on this for the documentary chat. My favourite quote of the two episodes. I've only been an owner of a football club for a short time, but I found it to be time-consuming, emotionally exhausting, financially idiotic, and utterly addictive, which is sort of how I describe podcasting. Um, yeah, I suppose so. I, mean... I feel like it's similar. I feel like it's similar fitting. It's, it's, podcasting is incredibly time-consuming. Is it emotionally exhausting? Maybe a little bit. Depends if we win or lose. Financially idiotic, no, because we're getting a lot of support, sponsors, and yeah, anyone who's donating or anything, we're very grateful for, for those that have done that already. Very, very, far too generous, actually. And utterly addictive. I am very addicted to podcasting now. I, I can't imagine not doing it. So, because uh, you want to be in the, the next series of Welcome to Wrexham, isn't yeah. it? You want, you want to finally get your voice to break the I'm gu- guarantee I will take another week off at some point and they will use that clip. So yeah, if you want to get if you want to be on the podcast instead of Nafe, uh, please do just email the show. But yeah, thank you for the support. That's what I want to say really again. All, all the socials, Rob Ryan Red, robryanred.com as well. Like we said, there is the sort of welcome to Wrexham episode guide and an SEO sort of piece about what it actually is, how you can watch it. And then there's going to be some monthly articles. I'm going to start a feature, which I'll maybe have out this week. It probably should be because I'm going to sort of break down at the end of every month what we've seen from Rex and what's gone well, what's not gone well, who our player of the month's been and sort of a, a mood, a time capsule of what it's been like supporting Wrexham for each month. So yeah, the first one, which will be Wrexham in August 2022, will be out this week. And yeah, Nave, is there anything else you want to get through before we shoot off for another week? Yes, oh, Dorking, we need, to, we need to look at Dorking. And I had a great chat, actually, a brilliant chat with... I'm going to get straight into it. The director of Bunch of Amateurs. Now, if you haven't watched it, do go and watch it. It is, you know, if we love and re- welcome to Wrexham, get the gritty documentary back. So, yeah. A, Wrexham, yeah, go a on. A little Sorry, premise of this. So this is an ongoing documentary they've been doing for a number of years yeah. now where they, they just chose Dorking as a team to follow, didn't they? And now, obviously, yeah. it's paid off with this rise to the National League. There will be an episode involving Wrexham, the game this weekend, out later in the year as well. So yeah, if you've not seen it already, bunch of amateurs and Nathan, as he said, caught up with it. Rich, then director of bunch of amateurs, I really love it, and I'm sure people listening have either seen it or they should see it if they've got time. I, I, I rewatched actually the uh, big playoff final against oh, I'll test myself here Ebbs Fleet that's right yeah. Ebbs Fleet yeah and uh, you know a lot of talk in Wrexham circles about documentary welcome to Wrexham documentary bunch of amateurs I'm giving you the big build up here but bunch of amateurs very very good very very successful Rich Dork in Wrexham this weekend let's, let's actually start with bunch of amateurs before we get onto the game bunch of amateurs where, where's it where's the concept come from and how long have you been doing it well I, I worked in TV for many years and I worked at Sky, so I worked with a lot of Sky Sports producers in one of my early roles there, and so I kind of had an eye for doing like football filming and stuff, and I did do some in the early 2000s, but once I left Sky and I had a bunch of um, more corporate jobs, um, I found myself kind of wanting to do something back in production again, and I had a camera, I had a credit card, and I had the idea, so I went and met a guy who managed a local team turned out to be Barks, who is who was the manager of Charlwood. And we did a few a couple of months of filming together and then lockdown got in the way. So um as it happened, I had this footage and we shared that with some of the players and we did some weekly episodes to give them something to watch during lockdown. Um and then after lockdown we just thought, well what if we start doing this as a YouTube channel and 
the second lockdown came along so child couldn't play anymore and i met mark i'd met mark a few months earlier and mark said yeah come and do it with us and it went from there really and it's just kind of taken off and and for for people who maybe aren't familiar mark what his role there white is the manager chairman founder of dorking wanderers so he he and a few mates the way he tells it he was a wimbledon supporter the way things are going with Wimbledon weren't great. He was a bit fed up of not going to football with his mates. So he was down a pub one day in, back in 99 and he had the idea of starting their own team so that they could go out together afterwards and have some fun. Um, and that's how they did it. And they started a, a pub team effectively, although they were on a Saturday. So they weren't always like, it wasn't like a Sunday league team, a bit better than that. But yeah, they started in a park and went from there. And he's now um taken them i believe the the line is 12 promotions in 22 completed seasons i think it is Um, so they've they've gone from the very bottom to the very top of the of the pyramid and and you know this weekend wrexham took to many the the big fish or as a chesterfield podcast came on and described uh, a whale uh, when I went on there in in uh, in the National League, yeah. you know a lot of a lot of Wrexham fans very excited. New new club, new ground. You know there'll be a massive away following there. What can we expect if we've not keep been keeping up with Dorking? What can we sort of expect from them as as a side? Um, I mean it's all it's all out there. That's the funny thing about Mark. So the first manager I filmed, Barks, he he would make me hide the tactics board, and he he made me cut. The, the managers get a level of approval on bits that go out. Um, and so he used to make me cut stuff that was tactically um, revealing, whereas Mark just puts it out there. And if you've watched any of the episodes, you'll see they play 3-5-2. Um, their wing backs play fairly high up. Um, the central defence overlaps the wing backs. Um, they've got a very particular system that Mark has um, employed for several years now. And every player has to be on point within that system and they get it. And it's an expansive system. So their games very rarely disappoint. There's nearly always goals, particularly if they're up against another expansive team. So um, expect lots of crosses, lots of running down the outside um, and lots of action, I would say. What have you made to just the reaction to a bunch of amateurs? You know, what started out as quite a simple project is now a well-established and very popular channel. Yes, it's mind-blowing. And I, as I often say to people, I'm, I'm never going to let let that feeling become normal. Um, when I went down to watch them at Maidstone, I wasn't filming um, and I was just getting stopped everywhere. I went around the ground, um, people talking to me, telling me they like the show and buying me beers and stuff. And I'm never, ever going to get used to that. It's still an incredible thing. Like, as, I, as you know, we started it as a bit of fun and didn't know what it was going to do and i think the dream was just to make a film that we could put on a cinema screen one day and then that would be that um so to have this ongoing thing you know i find it crazy that so many people watch it i don't really understand why they do because i see the flaws in it i see the negatives and what i should be improving upon and all of that stuff and then there's people coming up to me and saying that they think it's the best thing they've ever seen. And I'm like, it's not, but okay, I'll take that. I'm happy to take that. Um, it's just, it's incredible. And the, I think what really blows my mind is that my experience of YouTube, particularly YouTube comments and the communities on there was generally quite negative. Um, but the following that we have is so overwhelmingly positive that I just can't get my head around it. And um, and it's brilliant. It's uh, the support that we get is absolutely brilliant. 
and and kind of yeah i mean when you watch it mark is is so as you say nothing seems to have been taken out at all it is just completely <laughs> raw very colorful uh fruity some fruity language for those that yeah. aren't a fan of that but a lot of us are it's it, it's it's definitely more the kind of all or nothing style isn't it the Wrexham documentary that's just come out is, is big on Sunday until I die type more about the community and we don't get to see in the dressing room as much and the players mm. as, as such have you had total buy-in from Dorkin then in terms of the players the manager can you have you got free run whatever you want to put in there Yes, pretty much. Um, I was inspired by Sunderland Till I Die. That was what I was right. aspiring to. The format that we stumbled upon, you know, with the two team talks, um, a bit of pre-match stuff, um, and then showing as much of the game. That was something that was never by design. It just kind of fell into place. And I, I used to get quite frustrated with myself for not doing more of the community aspects. And I do want to do that more this season. But the format that we've found seems to work. And... Mm. You know, I've often said to people that, like, I'm a Cholton supporter, so watching the Premier League doesn't interest me a great deal. There's nothing in it for me. I'm not, I have no vested interest in anything that's happening. But if I was watching a, a match and and people were explaining what the manager had done before and during the match, I'd be more inclined to watch it. So I just feel like we've, as I say, stumbled upon a way of showing football that people haven't really done before because Mark helps me understand and the opposition managers do as well when I talk to them they help me understand what happened in that game from their perspective we get to show football I think from a slightly different angle um, which is you know the, the kind of tactical not you're not second guessing like the pundits do with Carragher and, and Neville yeah sort of filling in the gaps of what they think is going on I'm actually being told what's going on and then trying to, to get that across and yeah Mark at the ground I have absolutely free reign to go wherever I like and film whatever I like and um mark gets to approve a couple of versions so if he said something about someone or about something in particular and he thinks it's a bit sensitive then it will come out but you know it's he doesn't have carte blanche to do that i will fight him a couple of times and say no i think that's worth keeping and he'll be like yeah fair enough um but there's certain words there's two words swear words that he absolutely won't let stay in um one is obvious the other one isn't so obvious <laughs> you know fine I can live with that I just ask him to try not to say it so much really <laughs> yeah I can, I, I can bet and we'll leave those up to the imagination yes. but have you have you ever sort of had any opposition because some of the games when they come across I don't know whether it's the the edit or the actual game come across incredibly and they are incredibly high stakes and there's a lot of tension and the tackles are flying in do you ever have any op? Have you ever have you had any opposition where they don't want to engage with it and and they make your life tricky? Or because I'd be fascinated to know this weekend if mm. as a, if we're a Wrexham fan and when season three of of bunch of amateurs comes out and then you know that's being promoted, Wrexham fans I'm sure would be fascinated to see anything that comes out of the weekend game. You know, in terms of mm. Phil Parkinson or the players or whatever. Have any opposition proved difficult in that sense? No. Um, yes. The answer is yes, but not. <laughs> It's usually the people behind the scenes. It's not the clubs. It's not the players and the management. Sometimes it's hard to get hold of them after they've lost. So right. I, I want to give as much of the alternative perspective as I can. So if I can get a player or manager after the game to come and talk to me, that's really going to help. And after a defeat, that generally doesn't happen. So the Epsfleet playoff final, I was never going to get any of them to. Um, John Sheridan after Oldham, I really wanted to talk to him because... Um, Cholton have got history with him from the from the late 80s but even though they'd won he was quite frustrated with the performance and he was not in the mood to talk so that was a bit annoying but I'm hoping I'll get him at the other end but I totally get that there's been a couple of clubs um, 
there's one in particular that fans of the show will know who I mean and they were very hard work and it was so unnecessary because we're trying to promote non-league football we are happy to promote both clubs we're not just in it to promote Dorking we have an opportunity to show off another stadium and another club um, and their fans and Oldham were a great example of that they gave us loads of access the fans spoke to us loads a great interview post-match interview with a player um, and it's a chance for them to get in front of some eyeballs that they wouldn't ordinarily be in front of so there's only positives to come out of it sometimes if you don't if if the guys on the ground stewards and that aren't aware of who we are and why we're there they might get a bit annoyed that they weren't told and that's generally the biggest problem we face so I do say to clubs please make sure that the guy your guys know that we're there because otherwise they're going to get a bit stroppy with us um so that's happened a couple of times but yeah there's one club in particular that was quite unhappy and Mark signed me up as a player to get me in and I think that wound them up even more so yeah that was wow okay yeah (laughs) that's in season two um but you wouldn't really know it a great deal from the edit we did have to replace one camera with artist impressions instead um so that kind of made the point but um, they tried to actually tried to kick me out at half time um for filming when they said I couldn't film near the bench or on the bench actually um and Mark went went into bat for me and I couldn't put that in the episode, but I've got it on my phone and it's two minutes of of Mark defending me, which is brilliant. And no one's ever gone into bat for me like that before. So it was it was great fun to hear him do that, really. That's amazing. It's like he's gone to bat for you like you were one of the players. I and mean, technically oh, you were that day. Yeah, technically no, you were. Or Ten- well, technically, yeah. technically they would have lost the game, he was saying, because I was the substitute. So even though I'm a 42 year old at the time, 42 year old, fairly chubby guy. Um, and hadn't kicked a ball. And in fact, that's what they said to him. They go, he's not a substitute. He said, don't judge him. <laughs> what are you judging my players for? He said, you know, if you kick out one of my substitutes, you're probably going to lose the tie. So <laughs> That's amazing. That's well, in terms, of, in, in, in terms of, you know, you're bringing a lot of eyeballs to the National League and to Dorking Wanderers, which I'm mm. sure is doing wonders in terms of, you know, people that maybe weren't familiar with the club before and are. What, what have you made as kind of a filmmaker about Wrexham? and the documentary and you know even this week we had ryan reynolds talking about international streaming and bringing more eyeballs to the national league do you Mm. think that's do you think what what's happening at wrexham is a positive or or do you look at it as a negative for the league in terms of what they're doing i certainly don't see it as a negative i don't know for sure that it's a positive for the league as a whole i mean clearly it's a positive for wrexham and i think you know when i saw the tweet today and i retweeted it um you know where, where ryan was saying it's short-sighted effectively for the National League not to change their rules on this. And I get that. One of the counterpoints I saw was that, you know, that income that Wrexham are going to get from that is going to create a big gap between them and everybody else because you are going to get far more viewers than anyone else at the moment, Um, which is fine. I don't think that's a major problem because chances are you're going to be out of this division soon anyway. But if the rules are changed long-term, then I think that's good for everybody. Um, I'm no expert by any means. I would turn to Mark and ask him that question and get him to guide me on it because I don't know for sure. But I do think it would be good. I'm not sure that the 3pm blackout rule applies anymore. I just don't think it does. Maybe it does lower down the leagues. I suspect not. I think if you're going to go and watch Dorking, you're going to go and watch him. I don't think too many people, because because of what non-league is about, and it's that social aspect. Whenever I interview fans, they all say the same thing. They're not just there for the football. They're there because they can stand and watch the game with their mates. They haven't got to buy tickets together. They know that wherever they go in the ground, they can be with their friends. They're, the club knows them. I haven't been to Charlton for two years. There isn't a single person at the Valley that is aware that I've not been there for two years. If I don't turn up at Meadowbank for two years, 
well, if I don't turn up for two days, they're going to ask where I am. And I think a lot of non-league supporters would say that. So I don't really buy that it would have a massive impact on on attendances. Um, but as a whole, no, I, I think any documentary that that shines a light, and I try not to use that phrase, but it's, it's too obvious, <laughs> too cliche, but any documentary that does shine a light onto non-league can only be a good thing. And it can only attract more people to those clubs. So I'm all for it. I've I've somehow stumbled on a weird light that is shining right in my face and uh, it's <laughs> too far it's it's, it's, it's out of my right yeah I'm, I'm quite literally shining a light <laughs> into my face for this interview um well finally then you know you know Dorkin I'm not going to call you Mr Dorkin because that is also very cliche but <laughs> what I will say is who, who who are we looking out for there'll be a lot of Wrexham fans coming to Meadowbank I think some people are aware of Alfie, Alfie Rutherford but who else is in there I know Luke Moore's a name that, that's cropped up in, in some circles and uh, the other lad up front is now McShane, is it? That, that's uh, skip my. Yeah, McShane's a cam, so um, he's okay, playing further forward. Um, so who who are the people we we really need to be looking at and worried about? I I I try not to tell people because I don't <laughs> want it to leave. Um, but there's one guy who is annoyingly good looking, and I keep making jokes about that, and annoyingly charming, and I hate him because of that. Um, but Josh Taylor, I would say, is probably one of the best, if not the best, midfielder that I've seen at non-league football so far. Okay. He's absolute dynamite and he's banging form at the moment. Um, but the names you've mentioned, you know, you could say them too. There's there's no one in that club that I'd say, you know, I couldn't go into bat for on this question. Um, yeah, I, the, McShane is, is flying at the moment. He's scoring a lot of goals. Alfie's been a little bit off form, um, but you know that at any point, I mean, he was, he scored yesterday um, and it was great to see him get on the score sheet again because he's a confidence player. And, you know, once he gets that goal, Ryan Seeger plays up top with him. And I think he's probably pretty similar. Um, but those two got 60 odd goals between them last season at different clubs. Wow. So um, they're very exciting players to watch. But yeah, for me, it's hard to see past Josh Taylor. God damn it. <laughs> um, what position? So Josh Taylor's playing in the midfield. Yeah, is he, is he the kind of a deeper or, or off the left? Or what kind they of midfielder play... is he? They play a single pivot with two midfielders in front. So he'll probably, generally, he's part, partnered with McShane behind the front two um, if Alfie and Ryan are playing together. Um, so you'll see him get on the ball fairly high up the pitch and drive some runs across side to side and into the into the box. And if there are any bunch of amateur fans going, I don't know how many Wrexham fans are going to make it. I'd say, let's say 700, maybe a couple more than that. I don't know, maybe I'm under underselling it. Um where, will they be able to see you? Will you be anywhere near the away fans if they want to wave oh, hello? Yes. yes. So um, my routine is generally uh, film arrivals and all of that stuff, film the team talks. And then between the two team talks, so between two and three, um, I'll be roaming around with my steady cam and I look for three or four away fans to have a chat with um, to get that perspective uh, before the match, find out who to watch and a bit of history about the club, that kind of thing. So if you're in the fan zone, there's a good chance that you'll see us come past with the camera. It's always looking for people who aren't quite drunk enough to mess it up. Um, and then, yeah, on the pitch. So your guys, your your documentary crew are going to be there as well. Yeah. So it's going to be a tight squeeze because Meadowbank's not huge. So it will be a tight squeeze. So I'll be, spe I'll be speaking to them quite early on to um, to figure out the logistics of that. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're pitch side opposite the uh, dugout. So whoever's filming with me, so it'll be Jack this week, tends to get a bit of stick because he'll be directly in front of your fans. So all I can ask is leave Jack alone. He's a nice guy. <laughs> uh, we almost... are not Dorking. We are not, I mean, obviously we work with Dorking, but we are not 
bunch of amateurs dorking. Dorking Uncovered is our show, but it's not. Right. You know, so don't give Jack stick because he's, I think he's a Southampton supporter after all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's going through the ringer enough there as, 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 it, as yes. it is. But season three, <laughs> last word in season three of the, of the documentary. So let's get, get people to try and go back, figure out that club in season two that was causing such grief. Leave that there. Don't want to spoil it for people. Let's go and figure it out, people. Uh, when you look back, I'm sure we'll work it out between us. Sleuths in the Wrexham community. Season three, though, when we might get a chance to see Wrexham. I don't, you know, you don't say exactly, but it, it's not too far away in the not too distant future. Uh, the, the new season starts on October 9th for us, and we go every week on a Sunday. And I think this will be episode five or six, something like that. So early November, you'll have the Wrexham episode. It'll be 40 to 50 minutes of. Uh, of the day basically rich there you go then that that's that's it another packed episode i thought rich there other rich rich and rich uh, i thought the Richie bunch of rich. rich and Re- richie which rich a, was very good, good. um i think it was, i've never seen it, actually You've never um, seen I, it. I, I, I haven't seen it no uh, i'll add to my list when i get time um, but yeah, no, Rich was great there talking about a bunch of amateurs, and it is, I, I, you know, I just say it again, I highly recommend it, and I'm buzzing to get the, the Wrexham episode. I think it, you know it, around November time, so that'll be really fascinating to just to see how they do it given the style they use. But that's it, Rich. Another another episode in the can. Eighty three episodes in the can. Um, all I'll say, my final word is, go back and listen and share as much as you can, and. Give us five stars on Spotify. Over 100 of you have already done that. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We'll read them out. Email us, robryanred at gmail.com or you can email us directly through robryanred.com on the Contact Us form. Just get in touch. We love hearing from you. Uh, we're doing our lineup graphics and having a little fun with those. And loads and loads more content to come. Rich is going to be doing his blog on Month in Review. I'm hoping to do some more kind of specific player analysis uh yeah loads of great things to come and and yeah i love 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 following the club and i'm, I'm glad you, loads of new fans are listening and, and watching the documentary yeah and everything you do send into the podcast be it on instagram twitter on the contactors part of the website we do read it all and we are going to collate as much as we can for another one of those sort of mailbox episodes at some time so thank you very much for the support as always if you are new around here please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already yeah let's just back the boys let's make some noise dorking up this weekend and we'll be back again next week to dissect that look ahead to the game on the horizon and talk about the two latest episodes of welcome to Wrexham as well so it might be welcome to Wrexham but it's goodbye from us take care and we'll see you again next time it's the 90th minute all your mates are around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.